All right, this time we'll go ahead and look at the series, Believable is the title of it. And so over the next 10 weeks, our goal is to explain and to show how Christianity is both a rational faith and a wonderful faith. Um, And so with that, you can see kind of an introduction that I've written up here. It says, welcome to the beginning of a 10-week study and a conversation here at Fairview that we're calling Believable. In the following weeks, we hope to share how Christianity is both a rational response to the world that we experience around us, and also how it is the most wonderful truth ever revealed to the human heart. Whether you identify yourself as a Christian, an agnostic, a skeptic, or an atheist, we hope that this series will be the spark for more meaningful conversations, more scrutinizing examinations of the truth, and deepening relationships with those around us. Each week, you'll be given a set of notes, like you're finding here in your worship guide, and to follow along with us here um, as we meet. And and what I want you to do is I want you to also feel free to write down any questions that you have as I go through. In 10 weeks, I'm not going to probably cover everything, okay? Um, but, But write down questions, and please email those to that email address that you see there. I would love to try to address either publicly or privately those questions. Um, A couple of tools that we have set up just for this series. Number one, I and my wife, where's my wife? Where is she? Where is she? Wave at me. How many of you have met my wife, Rebecca? She's the most beautiful person in all the world. Um, I'm so thankful for her. Uh, She and I are going to be leading this small group, believable small group, and that's going to meet in room 143. It's right off uh, the main lobby here next to child check-in. And uh, please bring your questions. I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to help me preach a better series. So, so, so as I go through, and, 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 and we'll be kind of going through the sermon today, I've got four or five questions that I've come up with, but you bring your own sets of questions and would love to talk about that in this sermon-based follow-up small group. And that, that'll meet for about 30 minutes after the service every Sunday during this series. The second tool that we have for you is a believable resource table. And this is already being utilized. I understand somebody yesterday took a book, and uh, they may have already started reading it. Lisa, awesome. Way to pick up a a book. Um, If you're a member or regular attender, uh, thank you for being willing to purchase those. And and, uh, so so, uh, they're they're there for you to purchase. But if you're a guest and you're a seeker, and, and maybe you've been struggling with questions about Christianity, faith, Uh, Whether you classify yourself as a skeptic, agnostic, or atheist, um, those are free for you to take. We'd ask you to take one so that you can leave some for our other guests. But those are tools, resources. Um, I've either read all of those books or most of all of those books, and those will be great tools for you. I can't support every single thing that they say in the books, but but, uh, there's great things in there. And as with any book, they're written by individuals. So... I think it would be great for you. I'm going to mention a couple of those resources today throughout our um, message today. And so I hope that this table will be a help to you. Um, one of the commitments I'm going to ask for you at the end is to really spend the next 10 weeks examining this and really better understanding why you believe the things that you believe if you are a Christian. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, then I hope that this series will be a Uh, launching point for further study and for further examination. And if you're joining us by way of live stream, thank you so much for doing that. And if you come visit us, we'll have these resources for you. And so with all that said, I want to share with you my own personal story about how I struggled with doubt and how the Lord has brought me to where I am today. 
I am thankful for the heritage that God has given to me. I grew up in a Christian home. I had a godly mother and a godly grandmother. My father did not get saved until I was about 13 years of age. Many of you know his testimony. But from my earliest uh, recollection of memories, you know, some people say they have their first memories at age three, age five. Some of my first memories of life were in church. And they weren't all good memories. As many of y'all know, one of my first memories of church is me going to church with a little Star Wars action figure, an Ewok. And my Sunday school teacher took it away from me, and I never saw it again. And so that was one of my earliest memories of of church. And so that's an interesting memory. And and so, you know, I I grew up in church. I grew up in in a Christian environment. I made a profession of faith at age seven. And then as any seven-year-old kid, I continued to live my life. I struggled with doubts and assurance of my salvation for many years in my early teen years. I think I got saved 20 times, maybe 21. Uh, Seven days before my 17th birthday is really the time that I really got nailed down my eternal uh, destiny and where I was headed. I remember that day so vividly. And so around 17 years of age, I really got assurance of my salvation, got that nailed down. I knew that I was trusting in the finished work of Christ alone and nothing else. And then shortly thereafter, the Lord really burdened my heart to go into ministry. And so I go off to a Christian college down in Florida to study for the ministry, to learn how to be a pastor and to minister the word. And when you go off to a Bible college and you're a Bible major, you get involved in something called Christian service. And what Christian service is, is every week you go and you go out into the community or you go to churches and you volunteer and you serve. It's kind of like community service. And there's different, and there was a multitude of different ways that you could serve um, through the college in Christian service. You could go and run a children's Bible club out in the local park, or you could go to a um, local church on the weekends and serve in a local church. But the one that really got my interest was going to downtown Pensacola, they call it Seville Square, and going down and just meeting people on the street and talking to them about God. Now, this isn't what maybe you're thinking in your head. This wasn't the kind of street stuff you might see where people are holding up the big signs, hollering at people as they drive by in their cars. That's not what we were doing. How many of you have ever seen that? Okay, that's not what we were doing. We were really trying not to just, you know, holler at people and, and uh, you know, yell people down. We were really trying to have genuine conversations with people and understand where they were. And what was so crazy about Seville Square is you met the richest of the rich and the lowest of the low, the homeless. It was amazing who you could meet in two or three hours on a Friday or Saturday night just walking the streets of Seville Square. Um, And so it was for the first time there, my freshman year of Bible college, that I really was confronted with serious questions about why I believe the things that I believe. I met some atheists. I met some scientific skepticism and and agnostics. And I started to understand even what those words mean. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you hear the word atheist, you hear the word agnostic, and you have a general idea of what those mean but basically just means someone who doesn't believe in God or who doesn't have sufficient evidence to believe in God, and so they choose not to believe in any kind of deity. And so that was for the first time when I really had prolonged conversations and I was confronted with things that, quite honestly, I had lived somewhat of a sheltered life. Now, it's not that my parents tried to 
shelter me over with an, with an overabundance of sheltering. Um, I had some bad friends growing up in high school and some good friends. But in that realm, I had lived kind of a sheltered life. I mean, I hadn't even flown on an airplane until my freshman year of college. I flew home for one of these free weekends that they gave you. And so it was at that time that I was really confronted with these questions about my faith. Now, for me, if you know me, I can't deal with unanswered questions in my head. Um, If God had not called me into ministry, I would have been a scientist. I'm a science geek. Those who know me know I'm a Trekkie, Star Wars, you know, I I mean, I love science. I love answering the what and the how questions. I was the kid who took apart his toys just to see how they worked. How many of you have a kid like that now? Yeah, okay. I mean, it's like, you know, you want to take it apart just to see how it works. And, and, and so I did that. And even my parents bought me one of those see-through plastic phones. I still took it apart just so I could see how it worked. And so that's just what I was like as a kid. And so if I had not gone into ministry, I would have been a space cadet. I would have worked for NASA. Uh, my grandfather worked on the Saturn V rocket that sent men to the moon. We did go to the moon. And so, uh, and so uh, I would have done that because those are just the kind of things in my head I have to have answers, right? And so what I want to, the reason I share that whole story is, is because 20 years ago, I went through this season of doubt, this season of, okay, I grew up around a Christian environment. I've been told Christianity is true, but how do I know it for me? I'm thankful for what my mom and dad and my church taught me, but how do I know this? And so as a kid, I like to take things apart. So what I started to do was I started to, in a sense, deconstruct the components of my faith and say, okay, why is this part important? And how does this part fit with the whole? And if there's anything that I hope that this series does, is I hope that it allows you an environment, kind of a clean room, so to speak, where you can take apart this delicate thing we call our faith and see, okay, what are the components that make my faith what it should be, hopefully strong as it should be? And so I hope that this series does that. And here's the statement, kind of the theme overall for our series. It's this. It's important for us to examine the components that have led to our faith because it is only in understanding better those components and reasonings that we can have a faith that is stronger and a more humble interaction with others. And so it's important for us to examine these components, to know why we believe the things that we believe. And if you're watching by live stream, I hope that this is an opportunity for all of us to examine faith together. All of us have faith in something, and I think that this series will be helpful. There are several books that I'm going to recommend throughout the series. The two I'm going to recommend today, number one, The Reason for God by Tim Keller. And here's a quote from his book that goes along with what I've been talking about the last several minutes, and it's this. A faith without some doubts is like a human body without antibodies in it. People who casually go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. He goes on to say, A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if he has failed over the years to listen patiently to his own doubts, which should only be discarded after long reflection. And so I hope that this series will be a helpful starting point for you to reflect about why it is 
that people struggle with doubt. Maybe you're a Christian here and you say, I've never had any doubt since the day I got saved. Well, then I hope that you'll hear some of the arguments that come up, and maybe you've never been exposed to it. And I hope that this will help all of us today. And so what is this series about? You got some blanks there. This is a really an introductory message. The, the main goal of this message, hopefully, is to get you to tune in again, to get you to come back for the next nine to ten weeks. We've got many things planned. One of the things we have planned is something in the middle of March called Believable Weekend. I cannot wait for that. I think it's going to be a great um, a time for us as well, kind of in the middle, right in the middle of the series. But I hope that today you'll just say, I'm going to lean in and I'm going to listen for the next nine to ten weeks. And so with that said, what is this series about? I'm about to make some shocking statements. Are you ready? Because you're probably wondering, Pastor, you haven't opened the Bible yet. You haven't started preaching to us from the Word. Well, what is this series about? Number one, it's not based on the Bible. Uh-oh. What does that mean? Pastor, you're not going to preach the Word? Well, think about it. If you're not a believer, is the Bible the authority for your life? Do you, do you even see it as the authority? No. If you're an atheist, agnostic, or a skeptic, you don't even see the Bible as authority. Now, I believe the Bible is authoritative in my life. As a Christian, I believe that the Bible is the revelation of the God of the universe. And I can't wait to show you later in the series. We'll get more into Bible things later in the series when we make the case for Christianity. But in the case for theism, we're really going to look at arguments outside of the Bible that, that, that then point us to the Bible. Does that make sense? See, we live in a culture... And we would all love to think that we still live in an Acts chapter 2 culture. What do I mean by that? In Acts chapter 2, you will see that the Apostle Peter assumed that his audience knew the Bible. He, he actually referenced Bible stories. But if you compare Acts chapter 2 with Acts chapter 17, you'll see a completely different approach to how those two speakers got to the truth of the gospel. Paul didn't cite Bible stories. He cited basic realities. God made the world. You're going to stand accountable to him. Here's what Jesus did. But Paul didn't quote any Bible stories. And I think what we struggle with, if you're a believer in here, if, if, if you're a part of that group, I think what we struggle with is realizing that we no longer live in a Christian nation. Welcome to post-Christian America where everything now is up for grabs. There's no, there's, I, mean, I mean, you look at the news and you're like, what is going on? Well, there's no foundation anymore. And that's a sad thing, but it's also something that we have to realize so that we know how we speak to the culture. And so this series, number one, is not based on the Bible, although we will get there in the second half of the series as we make the case for Christianity. Because the reality is, is, is you're, if you're an atheist or you're a skeptic or if you're an agnostic, you don't even see the Bible as authoritative. But I hope that by the end you'll see at least why we as believers, as Christians, see the Bible as our authority. And so this series is not largely based on the Bible. I'll be mentioning verses throughout. I'll quote a couple of verses today to believers. So if you're an unbeliever here, uh, some, uh, uh, a lot of the scriptures I'll mention today are really focused towards believers. But... God's word is powerful. 
sharper than any two-edged sword, and God's word doesn't return void. And so we believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. But this series, especially in the first part over the next month or so, is not based on the Bible. Number two, this series, what is it about? It's not going to be the smoking gun. I love how, and I don't know if you've ever watched debates online. You know, everybody's an expert, by the way, now. You have YouTube. If you've seen a 30 or 45-minute YouTube video, everybody now is an expert. But I see this all the time in debate. Everybody's looking for the one thing that's the silver bulletproof proof for the existence of God. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. If that's what you're looking for, you're going to probably be disappointed. How could I, in 10 weeks, roughly 40 to 45 minutes a sermon, how can I ever take a concept as big as God and say, bulletproof proof? That's not how it works. In fact, I love how one writer said it, Justin Brierley, in his book, Unbelievable. He says, faith, in the absence of doubt, sounds more like certainty. And we are rarely provided with those kinds of proofs for faith. Notice the words he used there. You see, I think a lot of times what I hear, and the reason why it gets so heated in debate is because the other, one side thinks they've got proof, the other side thinks they've got proof, and they start throwing their proof at each other. And it's not necessarily proof, rather it's clues and evidence. And there's a difference between those words. You see, people are looking for proof. Well, if you had proof, you wouldn't need faith. And something as big as the universe leaping into existence out of nothing demands some level of faith. I like how Tim Keller put it in his book, The Reason for God. Though there cannot be irrefutable proof for the existence of God, think about it, if there was, nobody would be an atheist. Many people have found strong clues for his reality, divine fingerprints in many places. I can tell you that statement's true. In 20 years, since, ever since that Seville Square moment when I was challenged about my faith and was like, you know, I didn't have an answer. Ever since then, I've been on a journey of clue after clue, breadcrumb after breadcrumb, and it's the combination of those clues. And it's asking the question, okay, out of all the potential realities, out of all the potential expl explanations, what is the best explanation for what I see in the world that I can see? And that's really what faith is. Faith is not certainty. In fact, if I meet a Christian, if I meet a believer who is rock solid, absolute certain, and they've never thought seriously about this, I'm thinking, well, you probably just haven't been exposed to the challenges then. You've never had to talk to someone one-on-one -on -one with these questions of evil, pain, and suffering in the world, and, and all these things. And so faith is not certainty. Faith is simply trusting God 1% more than your doubts. And so I think that it's so important for us to see that this series is not going to be your smoking gun. And, and if you're a believer, I hope that you won't take, you know, one sermon and, and, and share it as if it is the smoking gun proof. Because it's really a combination of all the clues that lead us to say, wow, this position makes sense. It makes sense. But I do hope that this series will begin to be the formulation of a system, a system for how you sift through the clues and the evidence, kind of like an archaeologist that's taking a scoop of dirt and is sifting through it, knowing what to find and what to pick out and what to keep. I hope that that'll be, I hope that this series will start to give you a grid for that. 
and a system for that. So this series won't probably be the smoking gun. You know, we're probably not going to have 50 atheists walk the aisle during this series and get saved. And that'd be, that'd be great. But that's probably not going to happen. But if I can just get one person to think more seriously about why it is they believe what they believe, then I've been successful. And so this series is not based primarily upon the Bible, although we'll get there. This series is not going to be the smoking gun proof that you're looking for, although it will give you clues and give you a system about how you can put together those clues and look for God's divine fingerprints in many places. Thirdly, this series is, is intended to give reasons and explanations. Reasons and explanations. That's really all that we can do, is give reasons for why we think the way that we think, why we believe the way that we believe, and then why we go out into our community and seek to make a difference in the way that we do. This series is focused, hopefully, on opening up one to the possibility of theism, the basic existence of God, and then a case for biblical Christianity. Notice that I did not say Catholic Christianity, Presbyterian Christianity, Baptist Christianity, Methodist Christianity, Pentecostal Christianity, or any other flavor, Bible Christianity. That's the goal. It's to show you how you start with, okay, in the beginning, or a basic belief, God, and then how do we know that God, the one who spoke this entire reality into existence, is the God revealed in the Bible in biblical Christianity? And so with that said, this series is really composed of two main parts, and I'll come back to those verses in a moment. Well, I guess I won't. Um, go ahead and look there on your notes. Uh, the two main parts of this series, the case for theism, the case for theism, you can write that down, and the case for Christianity. The case for Christianity. And so what is this series intended to do? What's this series all about? It's intended to give reasons and explanations. Uh, I'm so thankful that God is not against reason. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. It's sad that Christianity and religious people have gotten painted into this category that they're mindless automatons that just believe in God and they haven't thought seriously about it. We have thought long and hard about it. If I was to ask for a raise of hands in this room about anybody who's ever struggled with doubts, in fact, let's do it. If you've ever struggled with doubts as a believer in Christ, raise your hand. If you can't see that by live stream, that's mostly everyone in this room. It might be everybody. I couldn't see all the hands. But what I love about the Bible is God is always inviting people in to a conversation. He's always inviting people in to reason, to thinking through these things. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Peter would tell the believers, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer. That phrase, give an answer, is the Greek word apologia. That's from which we get this discipline called apologetics. And what apologetics basically means is giving a defense for why you believe the things you believe. And so to give reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And so this series is presented to help believers think and help thinkers believe. 
That's who this series is for. So it's for all of us. And so in the first half of this series, we're going to be making a case for theism. February 10th through March 10th. And we're going to have a break on March 17th. And then really, the case for theism is going to lead up to that weekend and and what our special guest speaker is going to talk about then. And then from that weekend, we're going to make a case for Christianity, which leads right up to the, the Sunday before Easter, when I'm going to give to you, hopefully, over 20 reasons why I believe that Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead in either 30 or 33 AD on the outskirts of Jerusalem. I cannot wait to share that with you. And then Easter Sunday, we're going to call it Living Hope Sunday, and it's just going to be the Word of God. Talk about the sufficiency of Scripture, the Word of God, the Gospel. I can't wait to share it with you. And so this is going to be where we're going, these two big areas, the case for theism and the case for Christianity. And so who is this series for? Number one, it's for the authentic seeker. It's for the authentic seeker. For those who are genuinely searching and seeking. Isn't it sad, though, that in in many areas of the world today, the church has not encouraged conversation around these issues? Why do you think that is? Why has the church not encouraged conversation? Maybe it's because they've not seriously thought about these issues themselves and they're afraid to be painted into a corner and look defenseless. And so that's sad, but we're not going to continue that um, fallacy. We want to encourage conversation. And so this series is for those who are authentically seeking and have questions and are searching whether you're here physically in the services each week or you're joining by way of live stream, this series is for you if you have serious, authentic questions about faith. I love what Justin Brierley said in his book about conversations. He says, conversations, having conversations is one of the most important things we do in life. The best sort of conversations spark creativity, deepen relationships, and help us to see things from another person's point of view. And so, God wants us to have conversations. Do you know as you study the life of Jesus, that's what he was about? He wasn't about shouting down his competition. He was about inviting himself over for dinner with his competition. About having conversations. One of my favorite conversations in all the Gospels is John chapter 3. When Jesus had a conversation with a religious, well-respected man in the town named Nicodemus. And Jesus talked to him. He was direct with him. But Jesus had a conversation. If our faith does not allow us to sit down and have a conversation with someone who is not a believer, then our faith needs to be challenged and strengthened. And so having conversations is so important. God is not against reason, as I've mentioned. I'm so thankful for another story in the Bible about doubting Thomas. How many of you know the story of doubting Thomas? Oh, what a beautiful story. And how Thomas had legitimate doubts. And Jesus came to Thomas and he helped Thomas take that next step. God isn't against reason. He's not scared of questions for evidence. We see a whole book of the Bible where a writer, basically we see his prayer journal. And David had so many hard questions for God. God's not against your questions. Bring them to him. The key is, is notice what I said. The series is for the authentic believer, the authentic, excuse me, number one, it's for the authentic seeker. So if you're not a believer, but you're an authentic seeker. Why do I say authentic seeker? Because Thomas Nagel, an atheist philosopher, said this, at least he was honest. 
At least he was honest, right? Notice what he says. He says, I want atheism to be true. And I'm made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I want the universe. I don't want the universe to be like that. Can I just be honest? If that is your persuasion, then this series will not help. If we already have a bias against belief, against any arguments for theism or Christianity, then it's not going to work. How many of you have ever tried to have a discussion with somebody and they had their mind already made up? And so this series is for the authentic seeker. If if you're just here to say, oh, well, he didn't prove anything. Yeah, yeah. because you're looking for something that can't be proven. But there are clues, there are fingerprints, and it's a culmination of all those that lead to the question of what is the best explanation of the evidence. So, this series is for the authentic seeker. Number two, this series is for the underground skeptic. The underground skeptic. Who's that? (laughs) For those of us who have grown up in Christianity but never really seriously weighed the why, why they continue to believe the way that they were raised, this series is for you. Because perhaps you've already stepped out into the world and you've been challenged with the fact that 53,000 children die of starvation every single day on this planet. How do you deal with that in your worldview? I heard one theologian say, unless your theology can stand at the gate of Auschwitz, and give solid answers. You haven't thought seriously about your faith enough. What is the gate of Auschwitz? It's where the Holocaust occurred. Where millions upon millions of people were butchered. So perhaps there's someone here in this, this um, church who you would, you would say, you know what? I grew up Christian. I think I'm still Christian. But man, I've been hammered because... You know, I've stepped into the university setting. I've stepped in. I see this group of people over here that have lived their whole life without a belief in God. And I'm really struggling right now with making sense of their arguments because they've got some good ones. And, and this professor over here with a lot of letters after their name, they say this. And, and so there's this war going on right now. And here's what I want to say to you. You're in an environment where you can be honest about where you're at. And we're going to love you. I'm going to, I want to understand what, what the struggles are because undoubtedly you, we, we all saw the hands be raised earlier. There's people who have probably gone through the same exact experiences. And what the body of Christ is for is for us being able to say, you know what? I'm struggling with understanding my faith. So this is series number two is for the underground skeptic. As I said, Jesus was never intimidated by those who had questions about him. He had conversations and he asked questions. So this series is for you. So I want to invite you, if you're an underground skeptic, don't miss one week of this study. Take notes. Pick up some of those resources. Avail yourself. May this 10-week boot camp, so to speak, be an opportunity for you to get those answers or at least begin to put these components of your faith back together and say, okay, okay, 
Now I see why this makes sense. So this series is for the authentic seeker, the underground skeptic, and number three, oh, let me mention this. I think Tim Keller has a great point here. The only way to doubt Christianity rightly and fairly is to discern the alternate belief under each of your doubts. And then to ask yourself what reasons you have for believing it. How do you know your belief is true? It would be inconsistent to require more justification for Christian belief than you do for your own. But that is frequently what happens. In fairness, you must doubt your doubt. If you're skeptical, isn't it fair for you to be skeptical of your skepticism? So this is for the authentic seeker, the underground skeptic, and number three, for the unprepared believer. The unprepared believer. For those of us who need to obey the gospel obligation as Peter gave to us in 1 Peter 3.15 where he says, Be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason. So this series is for the authentic seeker, it's for the underground skeptic, and it's for the unprepared believer. All of us can probably say that we need to be better equipped to share our faith in the culture that, we're current, that we currently find ourselves in. And so we want to be prepared with reasoning, with knowledge, and that's certainly one area that I'm, that I'm mentioning here. So this series is for the unprepared believer who doesn't have the knowledge yet, who hasn't seriously weighed through the arguments and, and built this case for both theism, a basic belief in God, and then Christianity, why you move from a basic belief in God to Bible Christianity and why that's reasonable and why that makes sense in the world in which we live. And so there is a part of this being prepared with more knowledge, and so you can write that down, prepared in knowledge underneath point three, the prepared believer. So I want you to be prepared with more knowledge. That's why the resources are out there. That's why we'll have the small groups, and that's why I want you to email me your questions, please. Please. And if you want me to keep your name anonymous or if you want me to share your name, please notate that in the email. Um, if you don't say anything, I'll just assume it's an anonymous question. But please, um, we, we, we want to be better prepared with knowledge. But the second truth is this. We want to be prepared in compassion. Let me state this. If our answers aren't backed by good reasons, then we have shallow answers. So we want to be prepared in knowledge because for far too long, the church has just said, well, that's what our church believes. Why do you believe this? Or that's what, and this is the worst response you could ever give. Well, that's what my pastor tells me. Guys, I have failed as your pastor if when you get painted into a conversation with someone who's not a believer and you say, well, that's what my pastor tells me. Now, everybody's at a different growth point. I'm not here to shame you or to, or to you know, put a heavy thumb on you, but I'm here to motivate you and say, I don't want that to be your response for long. If you're a new believer, I get part of it. You're like, well, you know, this is all new to me. But if you've been in the church for any length of time, five, 10, 20 years, it's time to move on beyond, well, that's what my church believes or that's what my pastor tells me. No, here are the reasons why I believe. And so if our answers aren't backed by good reasons, then quite frankly, we have shallow answers. And so that's why Peter says, be ready to give an answer. 
Justin Brierley says debates are somewhat pointless if they merely reinforce each side's views. But good conversations have a habit of getting beyond the rhetoric and point scoring of a debate and instead open up a space for genuine learning. And so we want to grow in knowledge so that we don't have shallow answers, but we also want to be prepared with more compassion because if our answers aren't backed by compassion and humility, then we have hollow answers. You know what I see a lot of? I see a lot of antagonistic atheists, and I see a lot of antagonistic Christians. And I'm thinking, okay, all you're doing is strengthening the, the, the other person's side. You're not really talking. You're not listening. It's okay, they're getting in place to do a song. So if our answers aren't backed by compassion and humility, then we have hollow answers. Did you catch what Peter said? He said, be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies, lieth in you. What's that last phrase? With what? With meekness and fear. The goal of this 10-week series is not for you to become the expert debater and be able to win every argument and be able to win every keyboard battle on social media with the atheist group. The goal of this series is for us to know why we believe what we believe and to communicate that compellingly and compassionately to people who are genuinely looking for answers. And so this is where God has us at. Next week, we're going to look at this question, truth. Truth, what is it? Does it exist? Can it be known? That's where you start, right? I mean, if all truth is relative, if there is no absolute universal truth that can be known, then we're all doing this. We're all talking in circles. So we're starting next Sunday with truth, an anchor, a foundation. And we're going to build from there. We're going to look at, is it true that God exists? If it is, and if God spoke this universe into existence, then the supernatural is possible. I know scientism says that it's not, but science still leaves that opportunity open. And so is the supernatural possible? And if it is, then the greatest supernatural event that has ever happened, the universe leaping into existence, leaping into existence out of nothing is possible. And then from there, you look at the word of God, you look at biblical Christianity, you look at the case for Christ, you look at the resurrection, and you start to build these clues. And you say, okay, with the clues, not proof, with the clues, not proof, with the clues, with the fingerprints, what makes the most sense of the world that I see? And so I hope that this series will be a blessing to you. I hope that you'll make some commitments now as we bow our heads in a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads with every head bowed and every eye closed.